opposing the government and opposing the Conservatives. I'm afraid it's the hard left who want to tighten their control. They want to uh, sideline uh, moderate voices. I don't think anybody should be surprised about that is the nature of the hard left. And of course, we know that the hard left famously cannot tolerate any who dissent. Who are the hard left, Chris? Well, we know who the hard left are. In the you know, ascendancy within the, within the Labour Party who associate with the hard left. You just said that we were right, to right wing. The hard left agenda, printing money, nationalisation without compensation, that sort of hard left wing position. Hard sort of left, the hard 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 left, hard left, hard left, the hard left, the hard left, 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 the hard left, hard left, 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 hard left, hard left, left, hard left, hard left, hard left, hard left, hard Let's talk about subject. Yeah, seeing as we're talking rock and roll anyway. Hi everyone, you're listening to Real Politic. It's Jack and Yair here for a special subscriber episode. I think this is going to be a special subscriber episode anyway. We'll have to see where the muse is taking us (laughs) at the time when the time comes to put it out. Um, But we are doing something for a Real Politic Patreon subscriber, Charlie Weldrick. I don't know, know. Charlie personally, uh, for all I know, at some point in the last few months, Charlie may have unsubscribed. <laughs> I, I, I think so. Hopefully, still paying paying the subs to our Patreon account. Um, but I like the Pogues anyway, and they were the yeah. band that Charlie asked us to do an episode on. I think it was something like our 80th listener or something. Sorry, our 80th yeah. subscriber. Yeah, only 80 people have ever listened to Real Politics, and all of them went and formed <laughs> their own podcast. Um, I think we, we said, like, we'll do an episode on the, a subject of our 80th or something subscriber's yeah. choice. And the subject chosen was... The Pogues. So we took our sweet time, as we usually do. We forgot about it, and uh, frankly, had other priorities. (laughs) (laughs) But here we are, you know, better late than never. (laughs) And only two of the people are from the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) We're doing what we can, you know. Like, Tom's been uh, taken hostage by the Norwich City Football Club's (laughs) band's Revolutionary Soviet Caucus again. Uh, presumably cutting off some more of his fingers with a foot-shaped shoe. Um, uh, although it may have actually been me on the Real Politic account uh, suggested that Norwich City is a Tory football club. Uh, how, how, how dare they? How dare they? A message for the best football supporters in the world! <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, there's a couple of us here. We're doing what we can. Um... And uh, we we are going to be talking about a band that I've always harboured a considerable amount of fondness for. Um, And uh, yeah, though we may have, you know, had other priorities, better things to do for the last few months. (laughs) Now we are here. Yaya and I wanted to record an episode while we wait for a guest to be available later in the week. And, mm-hmm. uh, th- I, sorry, this is becoming like the fucking, like, five-hour preamble to every WTF <laughs> with Mark Maron, uh, where he's just like, oh, you know what? Like- in the left-hand corner, <laughs> he's just going on, 300 like- pounds. <laughs> he's just uh, fucking Maron, like, oh, you know, you know, when you get to my age, your back starts hurting, and then he's just, just like, shut up. It's not even funny. You're just complaining. Yeah, though we may have had priorities uh, that have deviated from this now, now we're, we're very into it we're here and we're ready to talk pogues so yeah yeah the pogues you bet yeah um 
I like them too, but I'll be honest. Until uh, until I started doing research, the only song I really knew much was the obvious, uh, you know, "Fairy Tale in New York." Oh, um. <laughs> oh you, you, you're kidding me! No, what? I, I'm not saying I never listened to them, but that was the one that like I knew. Nah, I, I'm kidding. Like you know most I mean? people, only know that song really. Yeah. Like even exactly. people who quite like the Pogues, they'll have like been to see their like boozy Christmas gigs or whatever, and they'll be they'll be kind of where they don't play Fairytale from New York. By the way, I saw them at a festival a few years ago. They didn't do it. I think they played the broad majestic <laughs> Shannon, which basically has the same melody as Fairytale of New York for a section of it. Like great song though. Um, they and oh also on the same album. As fairy tale of New York, <laughs> so we're not really oh, worried yeah, that people yeah. would think, "Oh, this shit's getting a bit repetitive." They're just like, "Nah, it's a good melody." Um, yeah, like the Pogues do only really have that one kind of like smash hit song, I guess. And of course, it features the late Kirsty McColl doing some very memorable, uh, a very memorable duet with Shane McGowan. But yeah. they've got some seriously good music. Uh, built up really mainly over three albums um although i've got what would you say those are well their first three albums are red roses for me um i mean i for some reason i see i may not have listened to that one quite as much because i thought it was called something else but um it's got some great songs on it like a a version of the uh, folk standard, the old triangle. There's a fantastic oh, yeah. song uh, written by Shane McGowan called uh, Transmetropolitan. Um, the opening song, right? Yeah, exactly. And that's a great way to introduce the band. It's very, it's raw and raucous. You know, we'll we'll be um, kind of uh, touching on some of the more problematic aspects of the Pogues because it would be uh, dishonest not to do so. Um, of course. I, th- I think you can you can really love an artist's music whilst uh, having a critical analysis. Um, I think that's very important. Yeah. There's a there's a line here in this song. Uh, well, oh god, there's a couple of lines along these lines actually. Uh, but some of it is great. I mean, it's like, we'll drink the rat's piss, kick the shite, and I'm not going home tonight. And I think, not to completely defend it, but, um, like, a lot of the characters, I think, portrayed, you know, they're not, they're meant to be quite bawdy. Yeah, you know, <laughs> they're down and outs and, and ne'er-do-wells. Yeah, they're not exactly politically correct characters, you know. Which is not like a thorough defense or anything, but yeah. No, but I mean, for example, this song. So this song con- uh, includes a, a couple of lines like, "We'll scare the Camden Palace puffs and worry all the whores. There's leeches up in Whitehall and queers in the GLC, and when we've done those bastards in, we'll storm the BBC." Uh, and again, like, Shane McGowan already got a very memorable turn of phrase, and I love this kind of thing of storming the BBC. You know, the GLC, not really the worst people active in London at that point. In <laughs> Say what you will about Ken Livingston, but their support for gay rights, I would say, was not one of the uh, flaws of the GLC, really. The, the Greater London Council, which um, Margaret Thatcher abolished in 1987 because it had become a stronghold for the left, but, I mean, people talk a lot about, you know, especially centrists and rightists, they talk a lot about the militant tendency in their memories of the 80s. But the militant tendency, who were the most successful up in Liverpool, they um, were a kind of firmly uh, non-intersectional, kind of class-first uh, sort of uh, left right. politics. Whereas the GLC uh, were much more concerned with racial equality, gender equality, gay rights... Uh, which is, you know, it wasn't really seen as kind of LGBTQ plus rights uh, or so on at the time. It was more just kind of gay rights. But 
that for the time was a very progressive thing. And, um, yeah, Shane, yeah, Shane McGowan is just kind of, like, listing them with, like, the, the GLC. Uh, well, I'm, well, I'm, you know, I'm unsurprised to, uh, to, uh, hear, a, a, you know, a vintage rock song where they're talking about whores in, you know, using that phrase. Yeah. You get that quite a lot, really. But, yeah, it's this, like you were saying, Yair, a kind of bawdy, balls-to-the-wall, just kind of uh, drunk-out-on-the-town sort of feel to this song. and it is. I, I want to say sort of working class, you know, yeah. at least faux working class, uh, Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it's talking about, you know, on the... <laughs> We'll spew and lurch, get nicked and fixed, so get get arrested and robbed. On the way, we'll kill and maim. When you haven't got a penny, boys, it's all the bloody same. Um, so, in fact, this whole thing, like, the kind of violence of it. What? Sounds a bit like that screenplay we'd written. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> this maniac, like, on the town, basically, you know. You're get echoes of that with a Shane McGowan solo song that we'll touch on later, which also features some very uh, impolitic lyrics about both gay people and a different group. But, um, yeah, for the most part, I thought we needed to get that out of the way first, because for the most part, the Pogues' politics seem to be leftist, basically. Yeah, I, I, I would guess... Um... I mean, they're sort of a punk band, right? Yeah. So that's generally, yeah, the way that those swing. Yeah, I mean, before he formed the Pogues, uh, Shane McGowan was in a band called the Nipple Erectors, or as they, <laughs> who who are a more straightforward punk band, and then they renamed themselves the Nips. And I haven't heard any of their recordings, but it's been, you know, it's one of those things where there's archival releases of them, but yeah. I don't, I don't think they came out at the time. So you got Red Roses for me, the Pogues' first album, which features possibly the first great Shane McGowan song, Streams of Whiskey. You can see the literacy to um, to Shane McGowan, who was always kind of like a big reader. I think I forget his family background. Like maybe his, his father was a writer or something like that. But um, you know, he, he's talking about Brendan uh, Bayan, the, 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 the famous um, Irish poet, short story writer, novelist, and playwright. Thank you, Wikipedia, regarded as one of the greatest <laughs> Irish writers of all time and an avid Irish Republican and volunteer in the IRA. Um, Shane McGowan is uh, mentioning uh, him in the very first verse of Streams of Whiskey. He's saying, Last night as I slept, I dreamt I met with Bayan. I shook him by the hand and we passed the time of day. When questioned on his views on the crux of life's philosophies, he had but these few clear and simple words to say. Um, that's just a fantastic way to lead into the chorus, which is the most Shane McGowan thing ever, and is on his very first album. I am going, I am going, any which way the wind may be blowing. I am going, I am going, where streams of whiskey are flowing. <laughs> you take the whiskey from the south, <laughs> and the whiskey from the north. Put together in the same whiskey factory. <laughs> <laughs> mixed together with more whiskey and it comes out as whiskey milk so I think we've established great album and then we've got uh, on I the mayonnaise all over myself fuck <laughs>
<laughs> sure you did, mate. Sure, that's what they all say. That's sure that's what it is. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, didn't know this, but Brendan Bayan also was the writer of the Irish folk standard, The Old Triangle, which appears on the album. Um, Dark Streets of London was another great Shane McGowan original on that record. And if you buy the 2004 bonus reissue, sorry, the 2004 reissue, there is a wild version of the leaving of liverpool which is an old traditional kind of sea shanty um all right i don't have that one (laughs) no but i sent you a version recorded or at least released by shane mcgowan in 2013 which to my knowledge is his last studio recording to date so it's clearly a song that he's fond of and has revisited at points in his in his career California, a place that I know right well. So very well, my own true love. When I return, united we will be. It's not the leaving of Liverpool that grieves me, but my darling, when I think of me. So, this is the real quintessential album, and I think I told you, Yair, that this was the place to go first. But in 1985, they released an album called Rum, Sodomy, and the Lash. Yes. Uh, I told M, like, that was my three favourite bands. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 you know, also, the Pogues themselves, it kind of brings together some of their key interests. Uh, <laughs> they've um, apparently it's taken from a quotation attributed to Winston Churchill. So uh, again, the problematic elements to the folks. But uh, apparently he said, "Don't talk to me about naval tradition. It's nothing but rum, sodomy, and a lash." The title was suggested by drummer Andrew Rankin, who said it seemed to sum up life in our band. Sounds about right, yeah. <laughs> Why sodomy specifically? Who knows? <laughs> each, to each their own. Uh, and now this, like the other album, was given an extensive reissue in 2006, which featured, as well as liner notes, by arch-centrist slug and failed comedian David Quantic, a poem about the Pogues by Tom Waits. Pretty cool. Uh, it's pretty cool. Yeah. With Tom Waits, I won't do this in a. Their music is like. No, I won't do that. Their music is like the brandy of the damned, Pogue Mahoney. They are the last pure hearts from Dickens, Joyce, Dylan Thomas to Christy Moore, like the red diamonds, pirates full of malarkey. They're little giants. They're Bill Sykes. They are all orphans. And they are leaving on the 210 train with no ticket. Rapscallion, angry, weeping, passed out songs. Songs that seem to be born effortlessly or not born, but found on top of an old wood stove like a bowler hat. And the Pogues know where the little people go. And they follow them. They're as old as Treasure Island. Songs that we all should carry. I learnt them and sung them and changed them, and passed them on down the wild blue road, as Shane McGowan and the Pogues warm their hands on a fire made from chopsticks, and a horse pulls a milk wagon up the steep, wet cobblestone streets and stumbles to his knees, bloodying them, as a man no bigger than my thumb dances in the broken glass and jumps rope with a shoelace, the song he sings. Tom Waits, California, March 2004. Cool.
Pretty cool. Oh, there's also a, a quote from Tom Waits here. Uh, he he wrote an article about his most ch- his twenty most cherished sorry his most his twenty most cherished albums in the Guardian, and he said about Rum Sodomy and the Lash. Sometimes when things are real flat, you want to hear something flat. Other times you just want to project onto it something more like, you might want to hear the Pogues because they love the West. Today, that's a oh, problematic. Oh, the Pogues are like, Mr. Corbin, you represent a threat to our Western ideals. They love all those old movies. I guess he means the Old West. <laughs> the thing about Ireland, the idea that you can get into a car and point it towards California and drive it for the next five days is like euphoria. Because in Ireland, you just keep going around in circles, those little tiny roads. <laughs> Dirty old town, the old main drag. Shane has the gift. I believe him. He knows how to tell a story. They are a roaring, stumbling band. These are the dead-end kids for real. Shane's voice conveys so much. They play like soldiers on leave. The songs are epic. It's whimsical and blasphemous. Seasick and sacrilegious. Wear it out and then get another one. So, I mean, it's nice to outsource some criticism to Tom Waits, who, <laughs> you know, possibly a more articulate man than than either of us. Who, who is to say? Yeah, yeah, but good to get his point of view. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, have you listened to Rum, Sodomy and the Lash? I have, yeah. That was one of the albums I listened to considerably. Great song. And I, I, I was pretty familiar with, actually, uh, Dirty Old Town before. Yeah, that's a very famous song. Uh, I mean, it's yeah. a cover of Ewan McCall, I yeah. think. An English folk singer, songwriter, communist, labour activist, hey. actor, poet, playwright, and record producer. <laughs> so they, they, they saved the best for um, third in that list. <laughs> but you listened to this album. What did you think? I liked it, yeah. I mean, it's it's got a great feel to it. Very sea shanty, of course. Uh, mm. Like, um, Irish feeling. Of course, there is some uh, of the problematic lyrics. Yeah, although... Uh, I think, was it the, in the first song, I think, where they mention uh, uh, trannies or something? Possibly uh, in the, the old main drag, which is yeah, uh, track two, which I, th- that's I think... the one. It, yeah, definitely uh, not politically correct, but I think in its own way a very beautiful and sad song. It's, yes. Uh, and again, it's this kind of like drunken street poetry you get from Shane McGowan where it's all about, and yes, you're right, some of them are kind of derogatory. I think she-males is the phrase he uses. Yeah, that's the term that stood out, yeah. And and he-males and she-males, he says, yeah. And um, he's talking about the old main drag, like, you know, a, a, a street in London basically frequented by sex workers. Uh, and... Um, I, I I think um, it is possibly a bit kind of like oh you go you go off go to London to make your fortune and then you just end up being a sex worker and then you're miserable and um, uh, everything's bad for you and you're dying all of a sudden and yeah that's a bit of a cliche but it's very compellingly put across and uh, I I like the um, the final. I mean, it's a little anti-police bit, to be fair. Like, in the tube station, the old ones who were on the way out would dribble and vomit and grovel and shout, and the coppers would come along and push them about. Cops don't get a great rap in the Pogue songs. And I wished I could escape from the old men main drag. And um, this is the, the bit I find really... The final verse, I think, is just devastatingly sad. Uh, and now I'm lying here... I've had too much booze. And that's just so plain spoken. I've been spat on and shat on and raped and abused. I know that I am dying and I wish I could beg for some money to take me from the old main track. And now I am lying here. I have had too much booze. I've been spat on and shat on and raped and abused. I know that I am dying. I wish I could beg 
for some money to take me from the old main track. Yeah, that is pretty fucking brutal. Yeah, there's a real kind of like a squalor to Shane McGowan's writing, you know. Everything oh, is... Yeah. Uh, it's kind of like what people say about Lou Reed writing about the, the mm. darkest recesses of society. And sometimes when people say that, they're, they're, they're just projecting their own prejudices. Like when Lou Reed wrote Walk on the Wild Side, he wasn't writing about the darkest recesses of society. He was writing about a transgender person, <laughs> like which yeah. is, yeah, not, re- you know, people lump that in with like, oh, Sister Ray, it's about heroin. And Walk on the Wild Side, it's about <laughs> a trans person. Yeah, not, see, <laughs> not quite same the same thing. thing. Yeah. Ex- exactly but with with Shane McGowan there there really is just a kind of like his lyrics are just drenched in fucking filth you know uh yeah. not filth as in like uh sexual sexually suggestive lyrics although there is some of that but filth as in just l- grime and dirt filth and... is in the police right <laughs> yeah and and, and as, yeah occasionally that kind of filth um <laughs> i i wanted to talk about I mean, you're right to mention the old main drag because it's a very very interesting song but the first track on um on Rum Sodomy and Malash is possibly my favourite Pogue song and has some of the greatest lyrics of all time, I think. And I think the politics are a bit better on this one. So it's, it starts off very slow. References to McCormick and Richard Tauber, uh, who are an Austrian tenor. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but I think this is a kind of song about like an expat somewhere. Like it's a sort of picaresque where Shane's protagonist is just kind of like traveling around Europe getting drunk by the sounds of it. Presumably right. not in a kind of like British football hooligans on a bus kind of thing, <laughs> but maybe he's kind of, you know, the, the character is sort of like um, homeless and just going from place to place, like jumping on trains and getting there, or um, he's in the army or something, who knows? But it starts off, the guy is absolutely smashed. There's a glass of punch below your feet and an angel at your head. There's devils on each side of you with bottles in their hands. You need one more drop of poison and you'll dream of foreign lands. And then he's out like a light. The band come in. Then Shane comes in just like spitting out these incredible lyrics. When you pissed yourself in Frankfurt and got sipped down in Cologne And you heard the rattling stack trains as you lay there all along Frank Ryan bought your whiskey in a brothel in Madrid And you take some fucking blackshirt who was cursing all the yids And a sick bit of Coo Cullen will nail and say a prayer But it goes a rattling at the door and the devil's in that chair When you pissed yourself in Frankfurt and got sifted down in Cologne, and you heard the rattling death trains as you lay there all alone, and that's one of my favourite bits, the rattling death trains. Yeah. I guess this, I guess this is t- he's taking us back to the 1930s in yeah. this song. Um, Madrid um, suggests that you know maybe he's there like to fight the fascists in the Spanish Civil War, and the next line would certainly suggest it. So the next couplet is, Frank Ryan bought you whiskey in a brothel in Madrid and you decked some fucking black shirt who was cursing all the yids. So, again, yeah, he's using an offensive word there, but he's not actually saying it in the sense of that he doesn't like Jews. Yeah, no, he's instead saying, I guess he's saying that that's what the black shirt in the song is saying and uh he is clearly advocating decking nazis <laughs> in, in this um, good message for sure yeah um so i mean that for me that's just a a, a perfect verse and um there's another bit of a song slows down uh and then it comes back in with another kind of um with this sort of anti-fascist and anti-racist uh kind of just shit-kicking sentiment. Now you'll sing a song of liberty for blacks and packs and jocks, and they'll take you from this dump you're in and stick you in a box. Then they'll take you to Cloud Prior and shove you in the ground. And here's a real defiant Shane McGowan line. But you'll stick your neck back out and shout, we'll have another round. (laughs) 
Now you sing a song of liberty for blacks and packs of jocks. And I take you from this dump you're in and stick you in a box. Then I take you to the fire and shove you in the ground. We stick your head back out and shut, we'll have another round. At the great sword of Cucullan, we'll kneel around and cry. And God is in his heaven, and Freddy's down by the fire. It's just perfect. At the graveside yes. of Culcullen, we'll kneel around and pray, and God is in his heaven, and Billy's down by the bay. Beautiful. Good and stuff. Uh, Yeah, Frank Ryan, by the way, um, an Irish politician, journalist, intelligence agent, and paramilitary activist who fought for the IRA during the Irish Civil War and participated in the Spanish Civil War on the Popular nice. Front. So that would be why Frank Ryan was in Madrid buying Shane's protagonist whiskey. <laughs> cool. And then presumably they just went to kick the shit out of some Nazis afterwards. So uh, great stuff. And this is what I'm saying about how despite the um, impolitic language. That the... It is ultimately on the right side, sort of. Yeah, the politics of the Pogues, I'd say, are broadly leftish. So, um... What else you got on this album? Um, A Pair of Brown Eyes, beautiful song. Sally McLennan, one of the greatest drinking songs of all time. Now, I don't drink myself, but every time I hear this song, I consider (laughs) starting again. It's just all about a guy called Jimmy who likes to play harmonica in the pub. Then he goes away to seek his fortune and everyone's wondering where he's gone. And the chorus is, we've walked into the station in the rain. We kissed him as we put him on the train and we sang him a song of times long gone, though we knew that we'd be seeing him again. And then the real chorus, that's the pre-chorus, it gets to uh, someone yells, FAR AWAY! Sally McLennan is a kind of whiskey. Ah, okay. Whiskey. (laughs) (laughs) I don't type Bailey's thing. No, I don't know what Shane's opinions on Bailey's are. (laughs) (laughs) It's an impurity in whiskey. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't have anything to do with that. Um, And then, of course, you've got Dirty Old Town opening up side two. You've got a version of Jesse James, the folk song, um, which is just a kind of a a great sort of like whitewashing of Jesse James, the outlaw's life, which is like, he stole from the rich and he gave to the poor. A lot of people have done it. There's a a version on Raikuda's soundtrack for The Long Riders. Um, Pogue's version is good, though. I think Spider Stacy, their, uh, yeah, their tin whistle player, plays it. And, uh, and Kato Reardon, who was their bass player at the time, she sings uh, a traditional song called I'm a Man You Don't Meet Every Day. It's interesting that their one woman member sings a song called I'm a Man something. <laughs> yeah. But hey, you know what we're saying? Pogue's very radical band. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the final few songs are, are pretty good, uh, but really it kind of tops off with an eight-minute version of Eric Bogle, the Australian's uh, early 20th century songwriter's fantastic uh, First World War ballad, and the band played Waltzing Matilda, um, which is one of the most devastating anti-war songs ever written, and I would go so far as to say that the Pogues recorded the most powerful version of it. So Eric Bogle was... It, it uh, is good. It is very good. Yeah. Uh, oh, he was Scottish, apparently, but it's about an Australian soldier at the Battle of Gallipoli. Um, All right. I'm just trying to find um, what I think is the most... Uh, see, these lyrics, they're so devastating, but I don't even know if I want to read them out because I'll just bring people down. Uh, whereas something like The Sick Bed of Paul Culcullen, it's great to to kind of dwell on um but it's you know what can i say really i I can't really uh i can't really do it justice great song great rendition of it um you know an example of a cover song done really powerfully um but i would recommend uh on the 2005 reissue possibly the 2006 as well but i don't know they only list uh the 2006 one contains the tom waits poem 
but this one contains uh, the Pogatry in Motion EP, which, <laughs> what a bait title, Pogatry in Motion. <laughs> this features, I mean, uh, some very good songs, three Shane McGowan originals, one of which is what I think is one of the greatest Pogue songs that I first heard in an episode of The Wire called Body of an American. Yaya, are you familiar with this one? Uh, and I wasn't. Um, I always have it in my head that it, it, it's about a cop. It's not, though. It's about a boxer. The um, the cops... Um, the reason I associate it with cops is because it's played at cops' wakes in The Wire. There's basically an Irish bar where all the cops go to, and there's a, a great scene where um, one of them has died, presumably, and, <laughs> and they play this yeah. song, um, and, and it's very powerful. I was like, what is that? And it was the Pogues. Again, it, it's like Sick Bed of Kilcullen. It starts off slow. Uh, the Cadillac stood by the house, stood by the house, the Yanks they were within. Uh, yeah, Shane McGowan, <laughs> be it Americans, Jewish people, gay people, groups that he really should be a bit more sensitive about. He will not use the uh, <laughs> the accepted phrase for them, so he's like, the Yanks, even in a song that's all about kind of being a, a proud American. Um, <laughs> so it's Big Jim Dwyer made his last trip to the shores where his father laid. He sets the scene of all these people uh, talking at, at the funeral, or at the wake, I guess. Um, this is the wake. This is definitely a wake. Because what happens is the band kick in and, uh, and it gets a lot faster and uh, Shane sings Fifteen minutes later we had our first taste of whiskey There was uncles giving lectures on ancient Irish history The men all started telling jokes and the women they got frisky more really evocative lyrics setting this scene Good stuff. Yeah, of this boozy Irish wake uh, this, the, the, the kind of expat Irish culture um, being brought over to America you know the old stories the boozing uh, whatever makes Ireland to Ireland 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 um, uh, but I mean, there's a, there's a fantastic chorus, you know, fairly well gone away. There's nothing left to say. Is the line that recurs uh, from um, recurs from from chorus to chorus. But I mean, I think that the final verse and chorus is like some of the most astonishingly beautiful stuff Shane McGowan has ever written. This morning on the this morning on the harbour, when I said goodbye to you, I remember how I swore that I'd come back to you one day. And as the sunset came to meet the evening on the hill, I told you I'd always love you, I always did, I always will. Fare thee well gone away, there's nothing left to say, but to say adieu to your eyes as blue as the water in the bay, and to Big Jim Dwyer, the man of war... I swear he sings the man of wire, but it says the man of war here, who was often heard to say, I'm a free-born man of the USA, which they repeat a further two times. Uh, stunning lyricism. I mean, this guy, when, when he was in a state to write a lot of songs, second to none, honestly. Mm. <laughs> By the way, if anyone wants to hear the Nipple Erectors, there's a <laughs> compilation <laughs> that came out in 87 and was reissued in 2003 called Bops, Babes, Booze and Bother. <laughs> what a title <laughs> bother bother spelt with um two v's uh, of course, of course. <laughs> so so shane had a you know an interesting trajectory in the space of a few years moving from bops babes booze and bother to rum sodomy <laughs> and the lash <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah i mean um it's also got a rainy night in Soho on it, which is a classic song, one of the poppiest sounding Pogue songs. Um, Elvis Costello produced this album, Rum Sodomy and Malash, um, very well, I think, because it's a raw sounding record. Um, the Pogatry in Motion EP has slightly more elaborate productions, but I think there was some reason or another that they didn't quite get on with Elvis Costello, and then. Kato Riordan left the band to marry him, so I don't know if that puts some strain between them or whatever. 
Um, yeah. But yeah, she does not appear on their subsequent album, uh, If I Should Fall From Grace With God. Now, this album features a certain song that a lot of people know. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's track four, actually. It's interesting because tracks one to three on this album are so fucking killer that I mm. never even think about what's at track four, really. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I guess... They are great songs from start to finish, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, the title track, If I Should Fall From Grace With God, some of Shane's most empowering kind of lyrics, I guess. Like, I don't really know how else to describe it. Just kind of uh, <laughs> just viscerally thrilling. The song is about an Irish nationalist who killed someone, likely one of the British quote-unquote others, and questions whether what he did was right or not. I think in a little bit we'll get onto a thread I found from I found a while ago. I don't know if we'll, we'll be able to find it again, <laughs> but it was a thread on the uh, white nationalist forum Stormfront, uh, where they debate whether or not Shane McGowan is a white nationalist. <laughs> there's I, a thread on Stormfront of like of that nature about every celebrity. They're <laughs> <laughs> a closet white nationalist. Like. Yeah, <laughs> but I think that mostly they kind of go, well, I think he's just an Irish nationalist. <laughs> and um, yeah. I remember some lyrics from this song being cited in that episode, and I'll get to that. It's the third verse so he says if i should fall from grace with god where no doctor can relieve me if i'm buried neath the sod but the angels won't receive me let me go boys let me go boys let me go down in the mud where the rivers all run dry that's the chorus the last bit this is the verse that i think the nazis were like oh is he one of ours this land was always Now, I can see how a Nazi <laughs> might potentially listen to that verse and think, oh, it's one of us. <laughs> However, this is largely because most Nazis are really stupid. Because this is obviously Irish nationalist and anti-British sentiment. <laughs> like, quite yeah. transparently. This land was always ours. Exactly. And who was it who took the Irish's land? Hmm. <laughs> what was it? Uh, was it the like... Eff- people! Yeah, yeah. Was it people of colour and Jewish people? No, it wasn't, was it? It belongs to us and them, not to any of the others. Uh... Well, that it would be in response to a 600-year occupation, I believe. Uh, sorry, 800 years. My bad. <laughs> and there's just more, you know, killer lyrics here. Bury me at sea when a murdered ghost can haunt me. If I rock upon the waves, no corpse shall lie upon me. I, wow. Powerful mm, stuff. Yeah, for sure. Um, the second song on the record, I won't go through every song, but the first three, like I say, are just like insanely good (laughs) this this one uh, and this album has a slightly slicker sound like um, produced by Steve Lillywhite uh, and it's a bit bit more kind of echoey and 80s sounding which probably contributed to Fairytale of New York being such a big hit but um, it's a sea shanty I know we were saying a lot of the Pogue songs sound like sea shanties this one's a proper like, yo ho ho and a bottle of rum. It's very dark sounding, like it's in a minor key. It's called the Turkish Song of the Damned. And um, I'm not sure if it's maybe inspired by uh, music from Turkey or something. Oh, here we go, Wikipedia, thank you. The, <laughs> the title for Turkish Song of the Damned came first and inspired <laughs> the song's storyline and the music's Middle Eastern influence rather than the other way around. And McGowan explained the lyrics as being a mixture of pirate and ghost story. Which is pretty kick-ass, I think. Like about, although I don't know, like when they did it in Pirates of the Caribbean, it, it didn't really kick ass. But uh, but in this three-minute song, spot on. It's about a guy on a Turkish island who deserted a sinking ship with all the money, and his mates went down. I'm not totally sure about this. Shane clarifies. <laughs> he's haunted, and he's dancing around with all this Turkish music in his brain. Then his best mate comes back, and all the crew to drag him back down to hell or wherever they are. 
that's fantastic. <laughs> Such a, that's a great premise for the song. But just a, a, a sample of the lyrics. Uh, I come, old friend, from hell tonight across the rotting sea. Nor the nails of the cross, nor the blood of Christ can bring you help this eve. The dead have come to claim a debt from thee. They stand outside your door, four score and three. And then the chorus is, uh, Did you keep a watch for the dead man's wind? Did you see the woman with a comb in her hand, wailing away on the wall of the strand as you danced the Turkish song of the damned? And, uh, oh god, it's just all so good. You remember when the ship went down, you left me on the deck. The captain's corpse jumped up and threw his arms around my neck. For all these years, I've had him on my back. This debt cannot be paid with all your jack. I'm not sure what jack means in that context, but still, pretty great. Like, um... Yeah. Like, just the thing of, like, the captain's corpse jumped up and threw his arms around my neck is uh, evocative, you know? And then the next song, uh, Bottle of Smoke, it's apparently the story of an imaginary horse that goes on to win the Cheltenham Gold Cup. <laughs> but that song, it's just really catchy and it's just like kind of turbocharged pogues. Like they're just going really, really hard and playing really fast on it. How fast can they play the banjo is almost like speed metal for some people. I'm just like, oh wow, the Pogues are going, <laughs> you know, they're really shredding on this one. So you've got uh, you've got a few more really good songs on this record. Um, obviously, Fairy Tale of New York. What needs to yeah. be said? Oh wait, hey, another song featuring an impolitic word about a particular group. <laughs> you all know. There's what a I theme mean. here. Yeah. Oh, hey, let's read every verse to Fairy Tale of New York. No, <laughs> I don't. I don't think people need to be reminded. Like, I'm not even saying because it features that 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 word, but everyone knows what the lyrics to Fairy Tale of New York are. They're good lyrics, yeah. but you heard them. <laughs> the problem comes when you get those usually cis guys at the club around Christmas uh, who the only lyric they know is that one lyric yeah. and they will belt it out at the top of their lungs, you know? Yeah, exactly. So, just like good for the rest you. of the song. you got a few people just going like uh, da, 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 along and then like instantly... like Just an excuse to shout, you cheap! Yeah, like a hundred blokes yelling at the top of their voices. <laughs> when it gets exactly. to that word. Um, right. Also on this album, you've got Streets of Sorrow slash Birmingham Six. Now, um, Terry Woods, who I believe was their guitarist, plays the original, um, well, sorry, the first part of this little medley, Streets of Sorrow, um, which describes the pain and sadness on the streets of Northern Ireland at the heart of the Troubles. It's very good. Um, but it's very short and mostly acts as a segue into the Birmingham Six. Now, the Birmingham Six is not just a name of an anti-Semitic crank pro-Corbyn account on Twitter. It's also the name of six people who are falsely accused of a pub bombing in Birmingham and uh, sentenced to life imprisonment. Six men who, in McGowan's words in this song, were convicted for, quote-unquote, being Irish in the wrong place at the wrong time, um, which I agree with. And um, the Birmingham Six were a big cause celebre for people on the left at the time, including such MPs as Jeremy Corbyn. <laughs> so, you know, who has always had their back. Uh, it's also a song in support of the Guildford Four, who were, um, again, people who were falsely accused of an IRA pub bombing in 
1974, IRA bombs exploded in two crowded Birmingham pubs. 21 people were killed in the most devastating terrorist attack yet on the British mainland. Within three hours, five men had been detained by the West Midlands crime squad. The next day, another suspect was arrested. They became known as the Birmingham Six. And I noticed out of the corner of me, I had a bloke standing outside the door. And there's a cop standing there. And he's got two thirty-eights. He's got one round his waist. And he's got a shoulder holster. And I remember looking. I'm thinking the same thing now, even as I'm talking to you. When I looked at him, I was thinking to myself, fuck me, some poor bastard's in for a rough ride. And I never dreamed for one second it had anything to do with me. Although they claimed their confessions were beaten out of them, the six men were convicted and sentenced to life imprisonment. We didn't go for trial to be tried, we just went to be sentenced. The Guildford Four, doing life for another IRA bombing the same year, also protested their innocence. But for ten years their pleas were rejected until new evidence came to light. No, campaign for the, for the release of the Birmingham Six and Guildford Four were, was uh, building up and um, you know people wanted us to go and do um, benefit shows and uh, I just thought <clears throat> the right way probably to go about it uh, would be in fact if, if I could get Shane to write a song about it. It's not, it's not meant to be a happy song, you know. You're meant to feel bad enough to fucking do something, you know. Terry Woods came up with that lament at the beginning, that Streets of Sorrow thing, which is kind of part of the song, really. And he just comes pounding into this, in, into the actual Birmingham Six, which is like, just anger, really, just comes welling up. I thought it was a joke at first uh, when I heard about it that McGann was going to do a song and the attitude that I had was uh, I'll believe it when I know it's out like and eventually like, when I did I, I, I was absolutely I couldn't thank him enough like Seen as a pro-IRA song, the cry for justice for both the Birmingham Six and the Guildford Four was ignored. There were very sinister forces at work, I think, that were trying to stop any, um, any airplay of this track. They're worried because they know we're right. While Auntie Beeb got her knickers in a twist, the exciting world of youth television took the plunge. What happened was they let the band play. The band was still playing, and I noticed the transmission had gone to commercials. The band mysteriously disappeared from our screens, and to this day, no one appears to know why. This was a big, going to become a big political issue, and the last thing they wanted was people like McGann educating the public about the Birmingham Six. The IBA made the ban official after the Home Secretary amended the Anti-Terrorism Act to stop us hearing, and we quote, terrorist organisations or their supporters. Today I spoke to their deputy leader, Rory O'Connor, who under broadcasting restrictions must inhale helium to subtract credibility from his statements. The I... Sinn Féin is a legitimate political party which supports terrorist action. Your tone is antagonistic and you're making me very angry. Under the ban, we're unable to play you part of the song, but we are allowed to quote from it. There were six men in Birmingham, in Guildford there's four, that were picked up and tortured by the law, and the filth got promotion, but they're still doing time for being Irish in the wrong place and at the wrong time. Ban for what? Yeah. It's just straightforward. Police state repression of freedom of speech, you know, censorship. The fact that it, that it wasn't heard was a great shame, not just for us, but also for McGowan, for the band itself, you know, because the, the lyrics were so true to the day. There was nothing you could really do about it. I think the fact that they banned it showed the power of the song itself. Cuss and 
On March the 14th, 1991, two years after the release of the Guildford Four, the Birmingham Six emerged from the Old Bailey Free Men, and the ban on the Pogues protest song was quietly lifted. Yes, there was a tremendous rush, you know what I mean, like, you know, because I didn't actually think when I wrote that song, they were, we're going to get out. Justice! I don't think them people in there have got the intelligence nor the honesty to spell the word. Never mind dispense it. They're rotten. Possibly it helped in a very, very, very small way, but I think, you know, the people who really did it were the, you know, the people who sort of like just dug and dug and dug and until they actually got the, the proof that was needed. As a protest song, it, it's, a, it's up there with the best and it'll be there forever to remind people that this kind of stuff goes on, you know, goes on all the time. Well, they all came round one by one to say, oh, you know, it's like, thanks for giving us a hand to get out, you know what I mean? And, I remember when he came in, he got up off the satin, he just threw his arms around me and he just picked me up and he wore me around the floor. He said, I'm so happy, he said, to see you out. And I said, so am I, he said, so happy to be out. They can all... The charges were later dropped and no one, no one else was charged with the bombings or supplying the material. However, three police officers were charged with conspiracy to pervert the course of justice, oh, but found not guilty. Whatever. <laughs> Maybe like some cop band can like write a song for the the Guildford Four Three or whatever. <laughs> but yeah, pretty powerful song. Shane singing with a real venom to his voice because he he always felt very passionately about the Irish Republican struggle. The chorus looks at like the stark realities of her life sentence in prison. He says, "You'll be counting years." First five, then ten, growing old in a lonely hell, round the yard and the stinking cell, from wall to wall and back again. And that's the kind of thing of like the the squalor in Shane McGowan's songs. He's never the one to prettify anything. You know, it's a that's stinking sure. cell, a lonely hell, you know, uh, <laughs> a lousy cell. He changes it to in the final chorus. Uh, Oh, it's not even the final chorus. Well, he keeps it as that for the subsequent choruses. Right, so I found that Shane McGowan calls people whores in his songs quite a lot. Mm. <laughs> I, fe- yes. I-, I feel the particular he line... He likes that word. Yeah, he does. I feel like the particular line in which he uses it in this song is quite relevant to the politics of the tune. Um, and there's a couple of verses. I'll-, I'll go through these two verses. A curse on the judges, the coppers and screws who tortured the innocent, wrongly accused, for the price of promotion and justice to sell, may the judged be their judges when they rot down in hell. That's Mm. just terrific, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. And again, a real venom and spite to it um, that makes it good political music. Not just like, you know, we are waving a placard around. It's like, fuck you, <laughs> you're evil, and I hate you. <laughs> it's good as hell. Um, this is the bit that where he uses his favourite word. He says, may the whores of the empire lie awake in their beds. Now, see, if he'd have just used another word, like the empire, yeah. it's good that he's hitting out the empire and yeah. sweat as they count out the sins on their heads. While over in Ireland, eight more men lie dead, kicked down and shot in the back of the head. Now, I don't know if that refers to a specific incident. My, um, I, It probably does, I think, because the British army were not above uh, massacres. How, how many people were killed on Bloody Sunday? Uh, I mean, that was that predated. Bloody Sunday was 1972. It, oh, God, and 28 people were, were shot. Uh, 14 people died in that and so that predated this song by about um, about a decade uh, well well over a decade about 15 years oh sorry so that was a reference to the the uh, oh 
God, I'm gonna say this wrong. The Lugol Martyrs, who were eight people killed in the uh, Lugol ambush, which happened um, an eight-man unit of the IRA launched an attack on the Royal Ulster Constabulary. Um, an, 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 AR, an IRA member drove a digger with a bomb in its bucket through the perimeter fence, while the rest of the unit arrived in a van and fired on the building. The bomb exploded and destroyed almost half the base. Soldiers from a British Army Special Air Service then returned fire both from within the base and from hidden positions around it in a pre-planned ambush, killing all of the IRA attackers. Two wow. of them... Yeah, two of them were subsequently found to have been unarmed when they were killed. Apparently it was the IRA's single biggest loss of life uh, in one incident during the Troubles. Typically, like, ballsy stuff of shame to be shouting out some guys who did attack a British base. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, not, not that I'm not saying I'm, I'm on the side of the British here. Um, no. I'm 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 merely commending Shane McGowan for his uh, his political gall in uh, in speaking up for uh, the Lugol martyrs. Although McGowan reflected, it's about anybody in that situation, but the song in general, I guess, getting locked away without any real evidence. Basically, it's a prison song about someone pacing around his cell or around the yard, wondering what the fuck it's all about. It's a depressing song. Not a song that I enjoyed writing or find much pleasure in singing. The broad majestic Shannon is named after the longest river in Ireland. Uh, and apparently is a song about an Irishman returning to his hometown in County Tipperary after many years living in London and finding that everything about the place he grew up in has changed or disappeared. Again, that's a shades of um, the premise to Sally McLennan. Where, it's a common uh, theme. Yeah, you know, going away to seek passages new and then coming back and, you know, things are a bit different. <laughs> I'm looking through the bit about the songs on the album just to see if there's anything more, uh, you know, with some political content. Not, not a huge amount, really. Fiesta, uh, again, showing. How, I like that one. Yeah, yeah. showing what a. Um, it's a very, very good song, um, and again, showing what a literate man McGowan is. It adapts four lines from uh, Federico Garcia Lorca's poem, um, mm. and he was, of course, a Spanish poet and playwright. Who was yeah, I like Lorca. I, I like him a lot, and he was a, a, a devout Marxist. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so all the kind of historical figures that Shane seems to shout out are basically radical leftists. And around this time, the Pogues also appeared in Alex Cox's film, Straight to Hell. Um, they all starred in it, and they contributed a version of the Irish Rover with, oh, sorry, no, that was just with the Dubliners. I don't know if they do any. Joe Strummer did the soundtrack to Straight to Hell. Um, but yeah, basically, like, so they, they did appear on the soundtrack to Straight to Hell by Joe Strummer as well as appearing in the film. They contributed a version of Ennio Morricone's theme to The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, Straight to Hell is a kind of like low budget western starring um, punk rock stars from the 1980s. Right, right. <laughs> Um, I don't. I've, I can't say I'm familiar, but it sounds cool. It's quite fun. It's. Uh, it was uh, Alex Cox's follow-up to Repo Man. I think it's got Courtney Love in it, Joe Strummer, um, uh, yeah, various members of the Pogues, Dennis Hopper, Edward Tudor Pole, uh, Kathy Burke, Elvis Costello, Grace Jones, and Jim Jarmusch. So you oh, know. Cool. A star-studded cast, but not of people who are necessarily actors. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and basically it was done because uh, Alex Cox wanted to do a concert tour with various different musicians of Nicaragua in support of the Sandinistas. And political problems arose concerning the support of the left-wing government of Nicaragua and the tour was cancelled. In its place, Cox decided to have the bands and several actors he could assemble make a movie in Almeria, Spain. So, it's yeah. kind of like a, bu a bunch of people blowing off steam after their political project went awry. 
And yeah, the Pogues contributed a version of If I Should Fall From Grace With God. I don't know if it's the album version to that. And also two tracks, uh, two Shane McGowan originals, no less, that I don't recognise the name of. And a version of Danny Boy featuring uh, K.O. Riordan, their former bass player, who had by this point left the band. Is to... that as in Oh Danny Boy? Uh, of course, you, you bet it is. Yeah. Oh, right. An okay. Irish classic. Yeah. What I started to say there was that Kate O'Riordan had left the band in order to marry the producer of her last album with them, Rum Sodomy and Malash, who was, of course, Elvis Costello, who also features in Alex Cox's film Straight to Hell. Oh, Danny boy. (laughs) There's another super weird song that's apparently traditional on uh, If I Should Fall From Grace With God called Worms. Yes. I don't know what to say about worms. Really weird. It's really creepy and weird, yeah. Yeah. The worms crawl in and the worms crawl out. The ones that go in are lean and thin. The ones that come out are fat and stout. Your eyes fall in and your teeth fall out. Your brains come tumbling down your snout. Be merry, my friends, be merry. I swear Pearl Jam have a song called Worms that's just like really weird. Maybe I'd think you have a different tune. Like, um, oh, you know, I'm pretty sure Chumbawamba have done a version. Chumbawamba. <laughs> I, I, I believe so, yeah. When they were a punk <laughs> sorry, band, it, you know. Oh, sorry, I'm thinking of a Pearl Jam song called Rats, not Worms. Or am I thinking of a different album, a different song on their next album? Potentially. I haven't listened to Pearl Jam in ages. I'm just kind of going through my head. Yeah, no, I am. I'm thinking of a song called Bugs, which is on their album Vitalogy. Not to be confused with my Twitter account, Gapesology. I got bugs. I got bugs in my room. Bugs in my bed. Bugs in my ears. Right. Tune in next time for the rest of the Pogue story. All the albums that people don't care as much about, plus Shane's solo career, his struggle with bad teeth. Alright, dig it comrades, Chucky Allah. It's exciting, it's young people, it's crowdsourcing.